0: Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I begin today by calling out for the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those people who have gone before us, those who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to those people who are ready, willing, and able to be true ancestral helping spirits. To stand behind the living and to be the memory, to help us learn from those who have gone before us, to help us to not repeat the same mistakes, to help us to understand the true result of the decisions that have shaped our world, and to rethink things where that is necessary, to feel differently where we need to understand more deeply, and to do things anew where that is required, and to hold true to practices that allow us to stay rooted and grounded and help us to be better humans. So I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to do their role, to stand behind the living and to support us so that we do not fall back, that we do not repeat and we do not cycle, but we step forward into our lives, into all that the world is asking of us today, and that we do so in a way that we bring forward the gifts that are necessary for those who are coming. We call out to those ancestral helping spirits to be with us here today. And we reach through them in the dreaming to those aspects of life that were here long before anyone dreamt up, even the first man and the first woman. We call out to those ancestors, ever older and wiser and different than we are, able to see through the complexity of the problems that we create, to find again the simple path, to find the deeper meaning, and to find the way of true love in all things. And I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to help us understand what must be sacrificed, what must be given birth to, where must we ask for help, and where must we simply have faith and to trust that which is unfolding. So I call out to these ancestral helping spirits, those that are not here in human form, yet share life with us. I ask them to be with us here today as well that we are supported in being better humans. And so let us be better humans and call our energy from wherever it might be into our head, from our head to our heart, our heart to our belly. And from our belly, let us reach down and take a moment, stop multitasking in all the many ways we do these days and touch the earth with our awareness, perhaps with our hand, maybe our feet. And take a moment and give gratitude for this day for all the wonders that it has in store for you, all the gifts in your life that you have not yet unpacked to understand what the true meaning was there, all of the challenges, all the beauty and diversity, all that is here before us, all the abundance, we give thanks. We give thanks for all that is and all that will be. We give thanks to the earth for the generosity in her dreaming that allows us to make change happen as long as we are still breathing. And with our great gratitude to the earth and our heart, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, reaching for the very center essence energy of the earth and allowing our gratitude to pour out into all the layers of the earth as we go. Giving thanks, focusing our awareness, slowing down, and moving into those energies that are dark and still and whole. The deep, deep potential in things before it becomes anything. Anything. That which is at rest. That which is only in the darkness. We tune into these energies and begin to draw in that which nourishes, rejuvenates and replenishes. That which refreshes us, allow us to restore our sense of purpose and meaning in life. And we draw this energy up into ourselves, into our day and into these proceedings. Just as you would reach into a sudden appearance of a spring of fresh water on a hot, hot day. We draw this energy in all the way into ourselves, bringing with it all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. We call this energy up into our body, into our belly and our heart and our mind. And we use this energy to come to understand what it means to be truly grounded in our lives, to choose to be here in our bodies, on this planet, at this time, on this day, to know where we stand and what we stand for, and to build our life Not to respond and react and to just go with everybody else's flow. But to build our life based on what has meaning and purpose to us, to our heart. To know where we stand and build a life on that. Without excuses. To build a sense of home, a sense of belonging, a sense of connection in this way connecting to ourselves and all the many cells inside of us, connecting to each other, connecting to the environment and to the invisible world. That is our task to learn, to reach out and connect into this great web of life. And may we take right relationship with ourself from our place in that web, that moment of understanding how we are part of something so much larger than we are. May we come into our sense of right relationship from that knowing. And may we be blessed in this day by at least a moment of touching that much, much greater web of all that is here in life. And with this energy giving us a sense of groundedness and purpose, let us reach up from our heads, out into the sky above and whatever weather it holds, out through the beauty of that sky, through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know that energy by whatever way you conceive of it or understand it reach into it see yourself in it and it in you and draw these radiant energies from above down into yourself into these proceedings into your day drawing in the energy of blessing the energy of devotion and commitment and protection protection for the journey your heart is on in this day we call this energy in that we might be illuminated the path made clear for us and that we might be inspired along the way for that which is unplanned and unpredictable. We call these energies in, drawing them into our head and our heart and our heart and our belly and send it all the way down to the center of the earth and in this way we become the place that connects heaven and earth. One of the many ways these two great legendary lovers, those who gave birth to all that is here in form in this experience we are sharing, we give great gratitude to these energies and we ask them to fill our center channel and give resonance to our truth cord. And from this place, we ask the spirit of our heart to be awakened by this big love and that it open the crucible of transformation that lives only in the heart chakra. And we draw up the energy of the fiery passions that we carry in our belly for why our soul chose to be here in this form. And we call down the crystal clarity of the mind so we can figure out how to do it in our time. And we call these energies together, giving each other meaning and purpose and let them dance there in the heart. Until we begin to get a sense, a memory, some sort of awareness of why we are here. And may we find in our human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that understanding of why we are here into manifestation in the world. And for all of the spirit help that we all have in doing this ever-challenging thing, we give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give special thanks to Paul and Adrian, to Solveig and Melissa, Mary, Anne, Lynn, and Sherwood, and all the listeners who've been able to donate financially to the show. The show exists because listeners are willing to donate to make that exchange for things that occur on the show that are valuable to their hearts. So if this, heart, if this show moves you in any way, even if it is to frustration or distraction, if it moves you, please do that most fundamental of shamanic things, which is to allow that which moves you in the heart to motivate your actions in the world. And to do something um, to support the show. And if you want to donate financially, you can go to WhyShamanismNow.com. That's the simplest way. Donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you're uncomfortable with that, you can simply email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org. And I'd be happy to send you a regular address for a regular check. And I encourage all of you to do those many things that can be done to help something to grow these days that are not necessarily financial. It's not all about money. Although it is essential to pay the bills that keep the show free, there are um, 350 plus hours about shamanism in the archives on iTunes, on whyshamanismnow.com, and at cocreatornetwork.com and the way that we keep this moving is if you also do those other things by sharing by using these teachings by bringing them into your journey circles um, working with them wrestling with them seeing if you can break them finding what questions you have and sharing those questions and show ideas and for all of your efforts in these ways I am also grateful for it is um, only because of these offerings that you have that the show continues in the way that it does so thank you all the show is live here today, um, so if you have questions about today's topic, which is basically just answering listener questions, and these are listener questions that are primarily about the ups and downs and ins and outs uh, of contemporary people trying to work with spirit and under understanding that most fundamental aspect of shamanic work. So if you have questions about this topic, you're welcome to call in at 512. 512- Seven seven two one nine three eight, or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com or you can just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org uh, okay so many questions arise as human beings open their awareness to the possibility of a world that is larger than the here and the now and what is physically in front of your face how do I know I am not making this up is usually the first question or perhaps even a first question a more fundamental question is am I crazy the deep truth of working with spirit is that uh, at times we do make things up we do lie to ourselves through our spirit work and at times on the other hand we are open and brilliant in our communication with the invisible world the difference between delusion self-delusion and inspiration is your willingness to learn new skills, to devote yourself to practice and discipline, to take the actions you've been told to take by spirit, and to sacrifice the self that you have outgrown and become the person that your life is asking you to be. So today, I'm going to do my best to answer an assortment of listener questions about intuition and working with spirit guides and how we can endeavor to um, stay aware that there's always this possibility that we are making this up and how do, how do we um, not delude ourselves in our spirit work. Okay, so... The important thing to understand about working intentionally with the invisible world is that the invisible world largely moves through questions or our relationship with it largely moves through questions. So even when you're not conscious that you're asking questions, we all are asking questions on some level either a conscious level or an unconscious level or at the level of our soul so often the dreams that we have at night are a response to those sort of unanswered questions that have been arising through the day and often nightmares are simply a louder response to an unconscious or unasked question and so part of it is recognizing that there is an enormous there out there that is just purely a yin field in the sense that it is a potential, the potential of guidance or inspiration or an answer um, waiting to happen and that it is our questions that pierce that field and allow the, the everythingness of it to become relative to our question and offer us something that we can see or interpret as an answer. And by see, I don't necessarily mean just visual. We can often feel it or understand it as an answer. So one of the most important things to understand about clarity in working with the invisible world is the more clear you are about the questions you are asking, consciously, unconsciously, and at a soul level, the more clear you will be clear you will be able to be in interpreting your answers, receiving and interpreting your answers. The next thing is to recognize that for better or for worse, you are the receiver. I am the receiver in my life. We as the humans are the receivers. If we are polluted because of the way we think about things, the food that we eat, the drugs that we do, the, the horrible relationship practices that we have, we will not be a reliable receiver if we clean up our act bring some discipline into our life sacrifice those addictions to become a better person not in the sense that addictions make you a bad person but addictions allow you to avoid being the person that you could be so there are all of these ways then that we could choose to spend our time in our day that would allow us to be a really fine clear Um, focused receiver of information from spirit that's not distorted by our own bad ideas um, by our own habits and um, ways of seeing the world all of these things affect how we receive messages from spirit so when people say well I just can't hear my helping spirits the first conversation is well what do you do all day you know are you living in an even, have an open channel? I mean, one of the most common things is that people eat foods they're allergic to or sensitive to that creates gunk in their body and the gunk clogs the channels. And it's a way that we unconsciously close ourselves off to getting the message from spirit by choosing a diet that doesn't support the kind of clarity necessary to hear it's all related it's all interconnected none of it is something we can just look the other way so the third thing is in that big vast yin field there are helping spirits what we refer to as helping spirits and these are very old very highly organized patterns of energy that are out there that um, are present, many of them present long before anyone made up a human and they exist. And we can choose to learn how to relate with them in a good way, in a productive way or not. That they are as real as you are, they're simply manifest without form. They're older than you are and they've been here for a long time and in that time they've taught us how to communicate with them in the best way for the human instrument. So for those of you that refuse to use those ways and want to do it your way and then get frustrated because you can't be clear about your relationship with spirit, what do you expect? That the helping spirits have been showing human beings how to be in better relationship with them, easier relationship with them, clearer, more focused relationship with them for the forever of humanity. And so my question is, what makes you think you get to do it differently? right? There is an aspect of shamanic work that requires surrendering to shamanic practices. And if you don't want to surrender to shamanic practices, you can still communicate with the invisible world through your intuition, but don't get your panties in a bunch because it's not working shamanically. There are aspects of how we focus that affect who we dial in when we're focusing. And you just need to accept that. We didn't invent the system here, we're simply part of it. And the main thing about a shamanic relationship with all of this is that the perspective is to go ask the all of this how to do it because it was here before we were. It is wiser than we are and that we are the last people to arrive at the party which means we are the children. We're the little brothers and the little sisters of these older, wiser energies. So it's a shamanic perspective. I'm not saying it's it's not the only perspective, but you're asking me questions relative to why shamanism now. So the context is shamanism. And so finally, the last piece of this that's kind of fundamental to these questions about working with spirit is understanding every single human being walking has intuition. Whether or not people use it is up to them. Whether or not they listen is up to them. How they interpret what they're receiving through their intuition is entirely up to them. A person can have a bunch of uh, what I would consider bad information about intuition and decide that they're crazy. Well, you know, that's their free will to do that. Personally... I think it's easier to take a step back and recognize all human beings have intuition. There must be a reason for that. And to recognize that shamanic skills simply extend your natural intuition. There would be no shamanic skills without intuition. That, that, that in a sense, your own intuition are the, the apparatus the invisible apparatus within you that these skills um, connect to and allow your natural intuitive capacities to expand beyond your natural limitations in terms of energy and ability. Now some people are certainly more gifted in the same way some people are more gifted singing or dancing, that these are simply uh, part of the range of of human skills. And uh, so the real issue with intuition is, first, are you using it? Are you opening yourself up and cultivating your relationship with your intuition so it's a good open dialogue that's fairly accurate and clear? But also to recognize the fact that the fact that you're listening to your intuition doesn't make it shamanic. It just makes it human. And so there's an aspect today of calling anything that is remotely intuitive or mystical shamanic which is not accurate humans are intuitive creatures they don't all use it they aren't all gifted in precisely the same way but we are all intuitive it doesn't make us anything other than human to recognize that okay so moving right along with all this said in the realm of humans there are of course dreams dreams come apparently unbidden at night Um, people can cultivate skills within their dreams for example and that's not necessarily shamanic work in some cultures it would be in some cultures it's not but anybody can learn to work with their dreams and there are different kinds of dreams not all dreams are created equal or appear in our experience for the same reason and there are big dreams and, and even beyond the big dreams that we have that, that rock our world and potentially become a pivot around which our life changes, um, there are also at times because we are intuitive beings and because this is a really, really interesting world that we live in, there are at times visions. There are at times sensory experiences that come spontaneously in our life that is an overlay of a reality on the consensus reality that we're sharing. So sometimes we have visions. Sometimes we have experiences that are other than ordinary. All of this is in the normal range of human experience because normal humans are intuitive creatures. And they are heartfelt creatures and they are, in theory, intelligent creatures. So, on the really problematic side of this discussion here today is the bigotry in the belief that if you're talking to yourself, you're crazy. If you're hearing voices, you're crazy. Now, there is a certain degree to which someone can create their own mental unwellness because they are listening to their inner critic or their wounded child in a way that is driving them crazy. And that is certainly possible. There are also people on the other sort of spectrum where their mind is not apparently in their control and it's generating a lot of noise that they don't know how to process. and, And often comes through as voices, they don't know how to they don't know the source of the voices, and this is something that is begins to damage their life um, at that end of the spectrum of sort of not being in control of the brain versus a person who's overly in control of their brain and repeating the same thinking patterns over and over again. Both create a state of mental unwellness. And by mental unwellness, I mean a state of being in which we are no longer capable of focusing our mind in the process of doing what we've come here to do. Those are both states of being that we need to find our way out of. But the simple fact that you are A, talking to yourself, or B, listening to internal voices, does not make you crazy. It makes you a normal, intuitive human being. So, So in other words, what I see is There's a percentage of people who are making themselves crazy, either because they're controlling their thoughts too much or not in control of their thoughts at all. Yes, these people need to immediately ask for help from good people who can help them. But there's a huge body of very normal people here in the middle of these two extremes that are not remotely crazy but are afraid they are Because their internal intuitive voice, the voice of, for example, the Ling spirit of their heart or the voice of their soul, is rising up in their life and saying, what is happening either is fabulous or is really not fabulous. And I won't be ignored any longer. Especially the voice of the soul. We all come here to do what the soul is destined to do. Not what your little ego identity person wants to do. So, of course, your soul is ultimately going to rise up once you become adult and start fighting for your life. Okay, so my point is, yes, there are many inner dialogues that are happening and need to happen and they don't remotely mean you're crazy. But the important thing is they're not useful unless you can learn to interpret them. So, there isn't a healthy person out there who has not heard the voice of their inner critic or their fearful wounded child. Or the voice of your conscience; these are inner voices. Talking to them doesn't make us crazy. So, the more aware and active we are in our inner dialogue, the healthier we become. And I'm going to refer you again to Will Tegel and his book, The Wild Heart. And you know, and because Will's been on the show a couple times, and as Will shared his story on the show, he he was a psychologist. Mm. I think psychologists, not psychiatrist. But anyway, my point is, worked his whole life, um, was on the board, did good work, was a good practitioner with a lot of clients, and really was responsible in his field. And from that place, he came to understand that while in the best-case scenarios, they are able to help people who are in an unwell place, once they become well... That they are unable to help people with the deeper questions in life. That that the psychological teachings that he uh, received did not help people to understand how to find meaning and purpose in life once they were well. And so Will's work comes from that place. How do we guide people who are intuitive beings, who are listening to the voice of their heart? who are listening to the voice of their soul and the clarity in their minds, how do we help them to find out why they are here and to do what they've come here to do and to create a life of meaning and purpose that connects to something bigger than what we are as individuals. So this is this is part of what it means to be a healthy adult and Will's book is a wonderful place to start if you haven't figured out how to do that. So the truth is that listening to your inner critic or your wounded child, which is considered normal, will actually drive you crazy. So there's, there's a real double standard and a bigotry around what does it mean to be talking to yourself or listening to inner voices. So the point is we all have intuition and we are all meant to be using it. Once we begin to use our intuition, we are meant to use our intuition to explore and grow familiar in our own inner landscape. And uh, this inner awareness is meant to be one of the sources of intelligence that helps us to make decisions in life. And that the primary decision we need to make is Am I doing what I came into my life to do? And furthermore, am I doing it to the best of my capacity to do so? So it's not just Am I happy? It's not just, have I achieved everything I thought I wanted to achieve when I was 18? It's, am I doing what I came here to do? And am I doing it to the best of my capacity? Okay. All right. So there's many shows um, on the basics and these fundamental aspects of communicating, quote-unquote, communicating with spirit. Um, there's uh, And there are questions from listeners about this. There's a show called Stump the Shaman. There's um, a Shamanic Journey Tricks of the Trade. There's the Shamanic Journey and Direct Revelation, parts one and two. And there's Working Effectively with Spirit, to name just a few shows that you can search for at at uh com, And then there are the shows and the shamanic journeying series about crafting questions and interpreting your answers and taking action. And then there's also parts 1 and 2 about listening to voices, which is another show that came out of people's insecurity around um listening to voices. Um, am I crazy? That whole question. So th- these 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 topics have been poured over again and again and again in shows. Okay, So moving on to listener questions. So Paul in Alaska begins with, I am blessed to live in a true wilderness setting with fresh air, peace and quiet, beautiful water potable directly from the ground a subsistence farm that provides all of our produce and most of our meat for the entire year and the ability to create and easily access sanctuary places. Sounds lovely doesn't it? Um, and the rest of the email also talked about having um, in the midst of all of that remoteness, having smartphone access it's kind of a crazy world we live in yet, Paul says, yet my attempts at connecting with the spirit world seem to fizzle I am positive there's more I could be doing in my practice, which involves a daily morning grounding, a gratitude moment, and sometimes accompanied by song and similar prayers at night okay, so far so good Good foundation, good beginning. Okay, but the question here is, are you getting the information that you need? And so from Paul's question, we would say, Paul would say, no, I'm not getting the information that I need. So he says, "Um, I continue to run into frustration with reaching out for my helping spirits to introduce themselves to me and consistently drawing a blank. Okay, so What I would say with this is, you need to be willing to learn some new skills. Now, Paul's in a remote place, so he's gonna have to find perhaps some kind of online access or something that will allow him to do that or a book and really work in a way without um, physical world teachers. That's a possibility. Or Paul may need to decide, okay, this is really important to me. It is worth me mustering up the resources to travel to a class. I wouldn't do that in Paul's case until he's actually created um, by reading books and practicing a good foundation to go take a class on shamanic journeying. So it's not his first introduction to the information. But the point is if what you're doing isn't allowing you access to your helping spirits then learn the next skill you know take a step from where you are to the next level skill and if you are creating a life that allows you to that is clear and has an openness to spirit like he says you can create sanctuary space living on the land in the wilderness Um, There's not any comment here about drug use, but basically assuming that the person is open and the helping spirits aren't coming in, then the next level skill needs to happen. And that could be A, learning to journey, or it could be B, doing the activities shamanic people have done over millennia to cultivate relationship with spirit. Now, that's easier to do if you know who you're cultivating with. So, which is why I suggest journey first, cultivate next. Um, but this is about um, creating power objects or regalia that is part of the helping spirit's energy, making offerings, communicating with that helping spirit. These are things covered in the working with spirit show. So, that is certainly an option. But again, that is an easier, you know, quote unquote conversation to focus if you know who you're communicating with. And this is the value of shamanic journeying is allows us to bring our entire sensory body into the invisible world and to connect through all the facets of who we are to our helping spirits in their realm. And there is a certain grace to our willingness to devote the time and energy to learn a practice that allows us to move our awareness from our world into the invisible world into their world and in that sacrifice of our time and energy and our devotion to that practice we show up in a way that then allows us to connect to the helping spirits coming back to us uh, uh, through connection and communication And that it may just be that for whatever reason, it's not punishment, but for whatever reason, Paul needs to take that next step, that devotion to learning a skill that allows him to go there and say, hi, look at me, I learned how to come all the way to where you are because I want so badly to be in relationship with you. And I'm inviting you to come into my life. Okay, so now that takes us to what could be an even simpler answer, Not quite sure whether it's true in Paul's case or not. But the other issue is, are you inviting them in? And that goes back to how we work with spirit. Is your helping spirits will respect your boundaries. If you're not inviting them in past your boundaries, you're not going to know that they're there, potentially. Okay. So Paul continues with his question. He says, I suspect that life circumstances aren't helping That Paul's been with a partner um, who he experiences as extremely stifling and verbally abusive. And I'm sharing this because this is actually one of many emails like this I get. You know, blah, 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 having trouble communicating with helping spirits. Oh, and by the way, I'm in a relationship that's entirely shutting me down. Gee, I wonder why I'm having trouble connecting with spirit. Now, it's not to say that the helping spirits wouldn't jump in in a problematic situation. But it's very hard when our intimate, you know, heartfelt relationship is one that does not support us in our efforts and and worse would ridicule us and call us names, call us foolish and stupid for engaging in these efforts. And And so a person needs to really question the relationship they're in, if it doesn't support them in where the arenas they want to grow and explore into. Be that art, be that spirituality, be that going back to school and getting another degree, to change your career path. I mean, that's part of what it means to be in partnership, is to not stifle and squash your partner. So Supporting someone's forays into communicating with their spirit help isn't any different than supporting them and going to get another degree. It's about expanding some facet of their life and as your partner, you need to show up for them with that and support them. And if you're not willing to do that or if your partner isn't willing to do that, you need to think very seriously about that partnership. Which relationship matters more to you, your relationship with this partner or your relationship with your soul? Seriously. What is more important, you doing what you came here to do or you staying in a relationship that is apparently abusive? Now I say apparently because the other thing is the first step isn't leaving. The first step is as a partnership learning skills necessary to unfold what's really going on here. Now if your partner refuses to do that, okay. Then you know that. But the point is, yeah, being in a stifling relationship is not necessarily a reason your helping spirits aren't there. They probably are there because you're in a stifling relationship. But our ability to be open to them is definitely diminished when we're ridiculed and abused in one way or another by the person who is supposed to be a loving partner. So, yeah. It could be a problem. On the other hand, the helping spirits that I work with love getting into the mess of life. And being in a screwed up relationship is a big messy part of life that human beings create all the time. So it's not like our helping spirits are prissy, um, you know, unicorns and bunnies and and rainbows and they only come in when everything is lovely. I mean I've got a lot of helping spirits that love to jump right into the shit, the smellier, the better. So the point is – Being in a problematic relationship is not a reason your helping spirits wouldn't come to you, but it could be a reason that you are shut down to their presence. And then Paul finishes the email asking, so when is it appropriate to ask for help? And I always chuckle with this, not at the person, but in year one, one of the primary life processes we learn in year one, shamanic training. Year 1, how to live shamanically in the world, one of the four most important things you learn is ask for help. So when is it appropriate to ask for help always? <laughs> the question is, what help do you need to ask for? To whom do you ask? Do you ask your helping spirits? Do you ask another human being? You know, what kind of help are you asking for and what's an appropriate way to ask? I mean, it it it, it it's a little It's not more complex than it sounds, but asking for help is an art and needing to ask for help is part of being a human. It's part of the art of understanding our healing nature is to be able to open up and ask for help, learn something new, have a healing experience, whatever it is. Um, But always, it is always appropriate to ask for help. And it's perfectly fine if what the help does is define for you that the next steps are steps you can only take for yourself. But at least that's been clarified and now you can go do that. Maybe they'll even help you understand how to better do that. Yes there are things we can only do for ourselves but sometimes we need to be clear about how to focus on what that is and sometimes asking for help is the way we get that perspective. But generally speaking. My overall answer to Paul's question would be learn to journey because journeying is the means by which um, humans were taught to use their human vehicle to better communicate with the spirit world Um, and that for most people relative to the other way that they taught us which is embodiment, most people... Contemporary people are not in a good place to begin with embodiment. And that is explored really thoroughly in the show about embodiment. Um, So I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, So I would say learn to journey. But with that, I also want to acknowledge that journeying is about half of the equation. The other half of the equation working shamanically with your helping spirits is learning to embody your helping spirits and work with them through that relationship. Okay, so moving on. Bill has a question about the shamanic authenticity of his guiding insights and helping answers. And um, again, the, the the questions that I'm using today are the clear versions of questions that I get regularly. So, so Bill is just the an example. Of people that ask this question a lot about the distinction between my insights or my intuition and helping spirits and so Bill explains that he gets uh, from several comments in my podcasts that it should be really clear where and from whom, meaning helping spirits or ancestral helping spirits, the insights and the wisdom and the helping advice comes from Um, and he says it doesn't feel clear for me So, that's a yes and a no answer, but I'm going to continue with Bill's question. So, he has a belief and a suspicion, he says, that I am one of the unlikely, odd, and rare people who actually do get their input and answers directly from the universe at large. So this is the myth that I want to dispel. It is not unlikely, odd, or rare to get answers directly from the universe at large. It is very common. We are all intuitive beings, we are all wired up to do that. It is very common for people to get intuitive answers from the universe at large. It is not odd, it is not unlikely, it is not remotely rare. What is rare is a person learning to listen. Now, it's rare today in the contemporary world. It's not rare at all in the past, but it is rare today in the contemporary world. So we, we applaud Bill for listening for cultivating his intuition and listening so that he can gain clear guidance and direction through his intuition from the universe at large. And the question he has is um, that I would have for him is are you getting the information that you need to live your life in a good way? Because the whole point is this whole invisible world thing conserves energy. So let's imagine that Bill is getting all the guidance that he needs in this way through his intuition from the universe about how to live his life in a good way and that he has a life of meaning and purpose and that he is good to go. And if that's the case, then this is fine. Not everybody's soul's purpose requires For example, the kind of relationship my soul's purpose requires that I have. We're all different. We all have different um, soul's purpose in the first place, but also the vehicles through which we're going to express that soul's purpose in the world. Not everybody's vehicle to express their soul's purpose requires, you know, the level of working with helping spirits that, for example, my life does. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're receiving the answers you need to live a rich and full life, Great. You don't need helping spirits then. Like in Bill's case, he doesn't need helping spirits. If he can answer that question, yes. So my next question would be, are you getting the information that you need to know why you are here? Not just to live a happy life that feels valuable to you, but to really know why you are here. And to know with absolute confidence that you are doing what your soul has come here to do. And there are people I have met that don't have any idea about shamanism or helping spirits. And they can answer yes to that question. And that's great. The question around your relationship with spirit help is, can you say, yes, I am living in a good way. I have the guidance I need for that. Yes, I am receiving the guidance I need to know that I, what my soul's purpose is and to be living it. And then the final question I have is, are you living in comfort? And avoiding discomfort. Because if we are growing and expanding in our capacity to live our soul's purpose, we will be mildly uncomfortable all the time. And so that would and what is interesting, you know, in students that are are deeply into my teachings, I just received an email today from a student in year three. Who had, you know, in spite of amazing work in the first three years is just realizing that there is this place of comfort that she loves being in that actually involves enormous suffering and pain because it's allowing her to avoid really stepping into her power. But being in that familiar place is more comfortable than the discomfort of stepping into her power and that this is a choice. And so this is what I mean about this question about comfort and discomfort. Are you challenging yourself to really become the man or the woman that you have the potential to be? Um, I just spent maybe five years not really very clear about what I was doing and largely running on a kind of momentum, I would say, from past clarity knowing that what I was doing wasn't wrong, I wasn't off course, but knowing that I wasn't actually engaged at the level I needed to be, that some things needed to shift and refocus, but I wasn't clear what that was. So my point is that at many levels of life and living your destiny and living your soul's purpose – you can become unclear and need help from spirit to understand the steps that need to be taken to gain clarity. I'm not saying just getting clarity from spirit, but more to understand from your helping spirits, for me at least, what steps do I need to take? What do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to give birth to? How do I need to change to get clear at this time in my life? And it did finally come. But it wasn't a direct line and it wasn't a direct message from spirit. The question here that Bill really brings up is, do you have the quality of spirit uh, connection that you need? So in Bill's case, he may have what he needs. It's not shamanic because our spirit help does not become shamanic until we actually are conscious of working with spirits. That's what makes something shamanic the fact that he is in a beautiful direct dialogue with the universe is called being human. Connecting with your intuition in a good way and stepping into relationship with something larger than you are and it's an awesome thing but it's not shamanic and there's, and it doesn't need to be. The thing is we just keep calling everything that is mystical or intuitive or otherwise working with the invisible world we keep calling it shamanic and it's not shamanism is all about your relations with relationships with helping spirits and if you don't need that don't worry about it if you do need it then you need to take the next step so if you aren't again, if you aren't working with helping spirits it's not shamanic but does it need to be that's really the question that a person needs to ask in their life if it does need to be then it's important. Then we go back to the answer with Paul. So learn shamanic skills so that you can begin to access your helping spirits in a shamanic way. If you need that next level of information to figure out how to do what you need to do. You know, I did. Did I want it? No, but that was what was required of me. So I had to go there to do what I've come here to do. But what I've come here to do is different than what Bill's come here to do. He may have everything that he needs through his relationship with the universe. So there's this possibility that there's an aspect inherent in his question, though, which is kind of how do we know the difference um, between different helping spirits? And again, this is the value of journeying and bringing your sensory body into the visible world into the invisible world to experience the helping spirit or embodiment journey stays where we're calling the helping spirit in and experiencing being the helping spirit that's how we know who they are if you're just working in your mind you're most likely not working shamanically so don't expect a shamanic quality relationship with your helping spirits you may never know who they are and that can be problematic because there's a lot of trickstery energies out there so the important thing is is if you want shamanic results and want a shamanic relationship with your helping spirits then learn shamanic skills if you don't need it don't worry about it so um, Henrika says uh, is actually referring to a show about listening to voices and in that show i was talking about understanding the voices inside of yourself as of the voice of your instinct um and and largely based on the physical survival of your body so your gut feeling about things as a as a voice distinct from your heart um and its intuition about things and as a voice distinct from your mind and its inspiration about things and that these are all Uh, voices inside of us that get glommed together and called intuition, but they're actually three very different um, sources of intelligence within us. And so Henrique is understanding all of that, but her particular question is, how do we distinguish that belly voice, which is largely based on physical safety and well-being, from fear, a fearful voice that is usually cultivated through past trauma. How do we distinguish that voice from a true belly voice? And I actually think in the full email from Henrika, I think she figures it out herself. So I, in response to her directly, I think she figures it out herself. But in general, it's a good question. And, and the main key there is the fear, is feeling the fear-driven voice versus the safety-driven voice. So, the voice of the belly is, I am safe or I'm not. It's not fearful. It's literal. I am safe or I am not safe. If I am not safe, I move. I change. I make a different decision. I step away from this situation. So, it's very um, safe, safety-based, not fear-based. Trauma... And being violated and having our sense of space and our sense of safety undermined by another person creates, um, you know, that through that violation, it sort of breaks down, um, breaks through, I guess I would say, our sense of safety. And so the voice that is not the true belly voice is a fear-based voice. And that is the primary way you know that it's not the true voice. The important thing is to listen to it. What is it trying to communicate? What need needs to be met? How how do you understand what it's trying to say about the situation at hand? Because it's usually projecting a story onto a situation at hand that is similar to an old situation but not necessarily the same. And that's what you need to discern at that time, which Henrika in her full email actually figures out quite beautifully. But the But the main distinction between... A true voice of the root chakra, which speaks to safety, and a trauma voice or a wounded child voice is that it's fear-based in in its very um, energy and conversation. So Jeff from Toronto had a big long list of questions, but I think they really boil down to ancestral helping spirits. So, the questions are what he calls spiritual labor disputes and shamanism, which actually wouldn't make a great show because a lot of the questions, I think, are based on a misunderstanding. Um, I'm not exactly sure what show he's referring to because he doesn't say in his email, but I think because of the context of the questions that it was shows about ancestral helping spirits. And so, my point about the misunderstanding is to even begin to talk about ancestral helping spirits you need to keep in mind the distinction between an ancestral helping spirit and a ghost or just a dead relation which is often referred to as just an ancestor like a small a ancestor versus an ancestral helping spirit okay so the fundamental distinction between these two energies which are both present in the invisible world is that an ancestral helping spirit is a literal relation who has passed away and has completed their journey from here, the land of living, the life that they had, all the way through reconciling their life and all the way to the land of the dead where dead people belong. The land of the dead is just where dead people belong. It's not a happy place for the living because everybody's dead there. It's our perspective as the living that it's not a happy place. It's a perfectly happy place for dead people. That's where they belong. And from that place, in that process of arriving there, they are reconnected with the source, which allows them to function as helping spirits. They gain perspective on their life. They reconcile their life. They have no more attachments and frustrations and biases about their life. But they've seen everything in the bigger picture. They're reconnected with the source energy. So like any other helping spirit, they become a voice for that source energy. So that is a reliable helping spirit. So the point that I was making in the show that I think Jeffrey is referring to is that if you are simply speaking to ghosts or dead people who will say, I am your ancestor, and yeah, they are. They are not your ancestral helping spirit. They are just a dead person, which means they aren't any smarter and they don't have any greater perspective than they did when they were dead. And so they often try, for example, to protect us. So let's say they sailed to America to live their dreams and died horribly. So they will now protect you from dying horribly by keeping you from pursuing your dreams. That's what a dead person does. An ancestral helping spirit may have had that experience of sailing to America and dying on the way but sees that from its whole perspective and would help you be judicious in your choices in living your dream, but would not prohibit you from going there. And so all of Jeffrey's questions largely have to do with not quite holding on to that distinction between an ancestral helping spirit who is reliable and just a dead person who is not. So questions like, um, you know, What do we do with helping spirits in this illegitimate voice of disapproval? Well, it's not an illegitimate voice of disapproval. It's recognizing that a dead person is not a helping spirit. You shouldn't be listening to them in the first place. Um, And within that, there's a question of, you know, what if you can't stand your ancestral helping spirits? Well, if they're helping spirits, then the fact that you can't stand them is your problem. And probably something that needs to change in you. If it's a dead person and you can't stand them, it's because they're an unresolved dead person and they need to be cleared out of your life. I mean the, the thing about all of these questions from Jeffrey is you have to know are you talking about an ancestral helping spirit or a dead person? and they are very very different energies they impact us differently one is capable of supporting us one is not one is capable of being trusted one is not necessarily one doesn't need our help but is here to help us the other is not and so that distinction is very important and I'm running out of time <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna move on Um. Just to say that basically, we all have helping spirits. We have all had them from birth. To be communicating with your helping spirits, using your intuition, acting on faith, observing the amazing thing that happens in life when we do that is not necessarily shamanic. It's called being human. Be a great human. If that isn't sufficient to support you in living your soul's purpose, then step up your game. Get rid of some addictions, learn some new skills, whatever it is that you need to do to change your own self as a receiver in the relationship with this helping spirits in the invisible world. If you get what you need the way you're doing it, great. Ask yourself the question though, honestly, are you living your soul's purpose? And are you doing it to the greatest capacity? And if not, know that there are helping spirits out there that can support you in doing it and shamanic communities out there that can support you in doing it. But you may need to learn some new skills. So I want to give great gratitude to those helping spirits, to the ancestors that gather around us, human and non-human, to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. Oh, 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 oh,